Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of 164 on Capitol Drive, in that great big beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay, and we're in the Equitable Bank building, which is directly across from Winkies or Kitty Corner from Sendex. We're now able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida, which is really nice for me because it's cold. <laughs> and that's a great place to to be able to go and meet with clients. My guest today is Michael Roth, and Mike is the founding principal of Stark Investments, which is right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And um, when Mike and I were talking just before we started this show, I looked and saw that uh, Mark's first, Mike's first time with us was March of 2002. So a lot has happened, Mike. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's always a privilege uh, to be asked to be on. This is one of my favorite shows, and it's probably one of the shows that I get the most comments on because everybody says, I can actually understand what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to my family. <laughs> says, I, I, I can listen to that, and, and I can understand it. And so I always like to remind you that you can go to ellenbecker.com. You can go to radio shows, and if you uh, have someone that you think would benefit from hearing our show today, you can um, just go there, and you get the benefit of hearing the whole show without commercials. So it's really kind of nice. So I started the show by saying that uh, we've seen a lot of change since 2002. And uh, you said to me, it's a whole new world. It doesn't look at all like it did. So let's talk a little bit about that comment and uh, what what is different and what's happened this last year. Sure. Well, to try to recap um, <laughs> what's changed since 2002 would take uh, uh, 10 shows uh, obviously <laughs> but if you sort of say the world we live in now and the, the way the markets are um, the, the biggest changes have been technology uh, uh, I would say above everything else uh, you have now uh, such a large component of the market that is driven by robots algorithms uh, quantitative trading and then you have huge uh, pools of capital in the form of the ETFs, um, and, and these dynamics have tremendously changed how just the markets operate. And so I think you've seen um, over time various uh, managers, active managers, struggling with the changing dynamics. And a lot of people have retired, a lot of the old school, you might say, from that early 2000 era, uh, because it's been very difficult for people to produce returns in the way they classically have, because the whole dynamics of the markets have changed. So um, the reality is you accept it. You accept it for what it is. It's not going backwards. Um, we're going to see technology being a permanent component of the market. So the type of quantitative trading and the way the markets move 
driven by that type of trading and also driven by the very large pools of capital like ETFs. That's not going away anytime soon. So you've seen it this year. So to bring it to sort of the theme of the show, you know, where, <laughs> where, we, uh, where we've been, uh, where we are, and where we're going, uh, you've seen it in the terms of the uh, volatility of the markets. It's been a very volatile year. So on the one hand, the economy has done very well. This has been a great year for the U.S. economy. Uh, if you look at um, the third quarter, as an example, uh, the economic growth in the United States was 3% over the prior quarter. And that's one of the best quarters we've had in decades. Uh, it, it was just a great run. Um, at the same time, uh, the markets have been all over the place. Mm-hmm. So we started out the year gangbusters, uh, a lot of optimism over um, uh, anticipation of tax cuts, anticipation of um, deregulation from the uh, new administration, um, and uh, you know the usual beginning of the year enthusiasm hit a rough spot in February. <laughs> market market dumped down on February. Uh, and then it looked like an echocardiogram the rest of the year. Uh, you had rallies. You had some dips. You had some rallies. You had some dips. And then you had a big prolonged rally from midsummer through October. And the market hit highs, all-time, all-time highs, almost every day it seemed. But certainly the tip-top was in early October. And then since then, it's been rough, um, as everyone knows. The market has gone down. And, of course, we're so used to um, the market just being this juggernaut. So if you look at where we've been since just 2009, the market's up three, 400 percent. Just an amazing run. So for the market to be down, so as of right now, this moment when we're speaking, the market overall is down about 3% mm-hmm. for the year. It seems like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is <laughs> horrific. This, what's happening? And people, you know, there's panic in the streets, all of that, because um, we've had this uh, tremendous bull run, a bull run for the record books. Um, but obviously, since early October to now, um, there are a lot of things going on. So, so you you step back and you say, on the one hand, economy has been great. Unemployment is at a 49-year low, 3.7 percent. And right now, the numbers still look strong. It could conceivably get better into the new year. So, uh, strong employment, um, rising wages. Um, uh, all of this um, uh, arguably driven by fiscal policy. Well, what does that mean? Well, uh, they cut taxes at the beginning of the year, um, and uh, you had a situation where uh, people have more money in their pockets. So the consumer-driven economy has done really well. Um, people are paying less in taxes. They're getting more in wages. Um, you've seen on the corporate side, corporate taxes were also cut. Um, and then you have um, the boom in um, oil and uh, gas in the United States. So there's been a lot of business investment also. 
Um, so th- that's all on the good side. So if you say, well, why did the economy kick into such a high gear? I think those would be the reasons, the combination of um, tax policy, a combination of uh, government spending. So the, the positive cycle is more income for people means they still pay more taxes. So that's more revenue for state and local governments. So you've seen an increase in spending by state and local governments. Uh, you've seen an increase in spending by the federal government because back in February um, there was a, a, a budget agreed to by Congress that increased dramatically military spending. Um, so positive cycle, positive boost to the economy. Um, now the why, other side. Why are people so unhappy? Well. <laughs> that the whole, um, and, and you're so right, looking at people's portfolios and how well they've done, and now we've got this echocardiogram going on, mm-hmm. and people are... Um, they're worried, they're concerned, and in in retrospect, looking backwards, and which I think is always difficult to do, but it does give us some sense of where the where the market has been. Um, it's a small fluctuation, but people's sediment is is nervous and frightened, and um, they don't know what's happening with the Trump administration, and is is that a good thing? I th- right now it's like I don't like them, but everything seems to be going pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we hear. You know, I'm not really crazy about them, but things seem to be working. So, sure, sure. So it's hard for people to determine, um, and I think it always is hard for people to determine um, what's going on because there's so much happening behind the scenes and so much technology that, you know, governs so much of it. Well, start with the proposition that people don't like volatility, mm-hmm. um, unless it's a one-way escalator <laughs> up. Yes. Yeah, that kind of volatility they like. But when it's when it's uh, true volatility, when you have ups and downs, um, people don't like that. That's number one. And of course, given where we are at the moment, which is down for the year overall, um, and multiple asset classes are down. So it, it really hasn't mattered if you're in credit, if you're in commodities, if you're you're in um, crypto. <laughs> God help you. Um, you know, you you're you've been losing money yeah. uh, across the board, and um, we can get into the reasons for that um, uh, right after the break. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> you're watching Wendy, and I'm not even watching Wendy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> My guest today is Mike Roth. He is the phony principal of Stark Investments, and Mike has um, been traditionally coming on at the um, end of the year and kind of midterm just giving us an update, and so I really appreciate that. And it's always fun to, to be in the studio with you. With that, we'll be right back. Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. My guest today is Michael Roth. He's the founding principal of Stark Investments, and he always does a great job of uh, giving us the insight into where the market has been, where it's going. And so far, we've talked a, a little bit about uh, what's working, and there's always that side of the um, of the slate that's not working. And you were talking a little bit earlier, Mike, about people love the, when the market's going up, and Right before I did the radio show, I met with a client, and we were talking about the market, and they're not spending from their portfolio at all. And so we've got the little graph that looks like an echocardiogram, and it was down where it's been this this last um, couple weeks. And he said, oh, this is the part where I'm supposed to say, this is a good thing because my dividends are reinvesting, right? 
right? <laughs> and I said, well, would you rather me buy them here or where it was, you know, uh, several months ago? He said, no, I, I want you to buy them here. And I said, so that's a good thing. And and really, that is one of the one of the advantages for those people who really aren't spending and are reinvesting in retirement accounts and various things like that. If they own quality, and that's always the magic thing, because we want to make sure what we're buying on sale comes back Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and isn't junk. But for you know, it's a different perspective for everybody. For those people who are spending, for those people who um, were in bonds all those years when they when it was paying nothing to have money in the bank. Now the interest rates are. Going Going up, so it's it it's a, a perspective that's hard to nail down because everybody's a little bit different. Absolutely. Well, in terms of um, you know why are we seeing the volatility we're seeing, and particularly why has the market been down? And you indicated that there's a, a large amount of anxiety right now. Some people are concerned about the administration. Um, and you know where, what's going to happen and where it's going and uh, trade wars. That's a very popular topic right now. And I think you you um, have to step back and depoliticize it. Say forget about your politics. What's really going on and what's really happening? And I'd say right now there's there is a tremendous focus on on tariffs and trade wars. And what's going on is that the administration essentially is trying to really tackle this festering problem, which has been uh, an inequality, essentially, in terms of trade with other countries, in particular China. Mm-hmm. And that's the big focus. And we know that China's has been an issue, uh, an issue over um, their policies. They have a stated policy to essentially, um, uh, essentially rule the world from a technological standpoint come 2025. It's called Made in China 2025. <laughs> so they've essentially said, look, we're going to continue to try to take the lead in all these different technological areas. And, of course, um, from uh, our perspective, it's been, well, we've been greatly concerned about the theft of intellectual property, um, theft of uh, technological secrets, um, their policy of forcing companies that come into China to essentially share technology in order to gain entry to their market. And so the the administration has taken the view we've got to take some short-term pain for long-term gain. Um, and so as a result, yes, it's, it's, it's going to be painful and potentially slowing the economy down if we were to put tariffs on uh, goods coming in from China and potentially other countries because there's a tit-for-tat aspect to that. They will put tariffs on U.S. products, so that harms the global economy. And you've seen a, a – a, despite the, uh, the uh, success of the U.S. economy, there's been a general slowdown in the global economy. China is slowing down. Uh, last quarter, both Germany and Japan uh, were had contractions, actually, in their economy. So – whether this is all caused by uh, tariffs uh, or not, who knows? Certainly, it's a contributing factor. Um, but this is a, this is a big concern. But I would say it's more that's more of a headline concern. I think this is just um, policy uh, and positioning for us to get a better deal for the United States. And so, if longer term, if this ends up uh, as I think the Trump administration hopes and plans uh, with more U.S. exports and more people bringing uh, production back to the United States, so more um, investment in the United States, that's going to be a very positive thing for the U.S. economy. And ultimately, the global economy will be fine. 
Um, the, the real concern here, what should be the real concern, is what's going on with interest rates. Again, we've been in a nine-year um, situation where um, the punch bowl, let's just use the punch bowl metaphor for the party. So the, the banks, uh, the central banks of the world have brought the biggest punch bowl in history about eight, nine years ago to essentially try to save the global economy from all the pain that was coming out of 2008 and 2007. And so the um, metaphor has always been, well, the Fed pulls the punch bowl away just when the party's really getting started. <laughs> and, and that is their job. So to the extent that they provided liquidity and therefore um, pumped up the markets, pumped up the stock market, pumped up the real estate market by making cheap money available, um, they don't want the party to get out of hand. That's their job. So when they see the – you'll hear – I'm going to use these phrases, which are used a lot. When the economy starts to overheat, they're worried about inflation starting to get out of control. Um, they will pull the punch bowl away. They will raise interest rates, and they will, they will withdraw liquidity. They'll make money more expensive, withdraw liquidity from the economy. And that's what they've been doing now for the last year. So uh, they have raised this year interest rates three times. So a year ago, the, the sort of um, linchpin interest rate is the Fed funds rate, which is uh, technically speaking is the rate at which banks lend to each other overnight. But almost every interest rate that be relevant to your listeners, mortgage rates, the, the rates that bank pay on, on their accounts uh, are tied to Fed funds. So if, if they're raising interest rates via the Fed funds, and they've done it, as I said, they've done it three times, a quarter point each time, and they're about to do one two days from now. Everyone anticipates we're going to get one more. The Fed has pretty much signaled they're going to do one more. So that means that um, interest rates have gone up a full percentage point mm -hmm. over the past year. And we're seeing that essentially this tapping of the brakes on the economy. Because the Fed is thrilled that the economy is doing so well, but they have to worry about it doing too well. And when they particularly look at employment and wages, employment being at all-time lows for the past 49 years, and they see wages starting to go up, they, the red lights start flashing for them. Okay, we've got we've to make sure that we don't get behind the curve here and uh, let inflation get out of control. So inflation right now, if you, assuming you believe the metrics they use, is right almost right on target. They like to have a 2% inflation rate, and according to their statistics, we're right there. But they see how well the economy is doing, and they say, well, you know what? Maybe we should start pulling that punch bowl back mm -hmm. a little bit. So um, that acts as a break on the economy. Uh, and uh, the markets don't like rising interest rates. Eh, generally speaking, it doesn't mean necessarily that just because rates are going up, the market's going down. But when you combine the rising rates with the tariff issues, the trade issues, and everything else, the markets get concerned. And that's what you're seeing right now. So on the one hand, the market being down, for, let's say the market ends right where it is now at the end of the year, down 3%. There's no Santa Claus rally over the last <laughs> couple weeks. Um, yes, wow, <laughs> we haven't had that in a long time, but in the big picture of things, it's nothing. I mean, given where we've been over the last eight, nine years, to be down 3% is absolutely nothing. But the market is pausing and, and concerned. 
And as you um, uh, look at where we're going, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, that's what's really, I think, starting to concern people. And you have to remember, the, the market is an exercise in behavioral psychology, more than anything else. Um, people have trouble focusing on more than one or two things at a time. <laughs> and the market is essentially the sum total of all the people in the market and a bunch of robots who are trying to figure out what people are doing. And so uh, you have right now people focused. Right now the focus is on interest rates and the trade situation. That's the focus. So that's why a given headline on, on any day that, hey, things are going well with our negotiations with China, boom, the market's up. Things aren't going well. Boom, the market's down. And the focus over the next couple of days is, yes, we know the, the interest rates are going to be raised at the next Fed meeting, another quarter point. Um, but what's the body language going to be of the Fed? Hawkish or dovish? If they're hawkish, that's not good. And the market will react mm -hmm. badly to that. If they turn out to be uh, dovish, and, you know, more like, well, you know, we're starting to think maybe we don't have to be as aggressive next year. And they, they have magic words to essentially <laughs> signal that. Uh, then you'll see the market rally into, into those, uh, those types of uh, signals from the Fed. So um, that leads us, of course, to the question of what's next. next what's time. next? And the other question it leads us to as well is people – how they look at the market and they look at this volatility and the decisions that they make and if they're in their best interest or not. And with that, we'll be right back. Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Mike Roth. He is the founding principal for Stark Investments right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Mike is always so gracious to come on twice a year to kind of give us an update as to where the markets have been and where they're going. And uh, if you are enjoying this and if you've got some... Uh, Kids, if you've got some young adults who are trying to figure out the market and understand where um, how the market is working, I always recommend having them listen to Mike's show, which you can go and get uh, ellenbecker.com, and you can go to the radio shows and uh, Money Sense is right there, and they can listen to it because I think as we were talking during the commercial break, the education piece is so important for people to really understand the investment. Investments that they own it. It really takes out their own personal volatility with the market. Well, exactly. And most people don't want to spend the majority of their time worrying about the market or watching the market. But it pays to at least understand a few elemental uh, aspects of it uh, so that you don't overreact to headlines because you're bombarded with headlines and sometimes the market is driven by headlines. But you have to have um, a little bit better attention span uh, and a little, little uh, longer sort of time frame to be a smart investor. So where we are today is interesting, um, and, it, and I guess at the end of the year, it always feels like an inflection point, but this one feels uh, more inflection-y <laughs> than most, uh, and, and, and here's why. So as we said, uh, you have a bit of a disconnect. Uh, on the one hand, uh, the economy is doing very well. 
Um, and uh, uh, even if the global economy is starting to slow, uh, our economy and the employment picture uh, and rising wages, those are all good things. And we have a consumer-driven economy and all this money in people's pockets. We're, we're, we've seen it show up in terms of retail numbers and, and consumption. All good stuff. At the same time, um, the um, countervailing sort of force here is rising interest rates. And rising interest rates uh, are uh, happen naturally in a situation where you're coming from a very low interest rate environment that pumped up the markets and made all this cheap money available. And some people would say uh, too much so. So we have had um, arguably bubbles in places like real estate and some other asset classes. So the Fed's trying to essentially take some of the air out of the bubbles, some of the air out of the economy, so that things don't get um, too carried away, too frothy. Because at some point, you have to start worrying about inflation. And you don't want to go back to a situation like we had, got, dare I say it, in the 80s. <laughs> Right when when inflation was a big concern and interest rates were something like twenty percent, I mean it was a different world than we have today. But that's the natural function of the Fed to essentially start to tap the brakes if the economy looks like it's starting to get a little too hot. Um, and then we have other things going on. So in some ways, you would say again, um, looking at the psychology of the market. Is there anything really new here? We hit an all-time, all-time high in October versus where we are now. Are there new concerns that suddenly materialized in October? No. What changed was people's uh, perception of them. So all of a sudden, uh, the tariffs and you know geopolitical issues in Europe and the China uh, issues. Uh, China has had lots of issues beyond trade war with the United States um, and um, you know rising interest rates. Uh, all of these things are, um, uh, you might say, features that have been out there for some time, but collectively suddenly a light goes on and the whole market suddenly goes, wow. Things you know are perhaps um, more difficult than we anticipated, and you have a few things like Apple, which is a big market leader, and Apple comes out and starts looking a little wobbly. Um, their new phones are expensive; they're not selling as well as they had hoped. Um, they're not selling in China, so Apple's growth suddenly comes into question. And they they announce that we're not going to tell you how many phones we're selling anymore, and that <laughs> people are like, "What?" <laughs> so, as I said, it. it a few things suddenly start changing people's perception. And so going into year end and looking forward, this is when uh, everybody and their uncle has a um, has a view as to what the new year is going to present. You can look, you can look at, uh, depending upon um, what you want to believe, you can find some prognosticator who's going to line up some facts and make some bold prediction. They'll make you happy. <laughs> well, I heard one that every year they do it based on the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, know? well, yeah. There's all kinds of <laughs> metrics. There's some are based on the election cycle. Some are yes. based on the Super Bowl, the uh, <laughs> old AFC versus, or AFL versus NFL. So there's a whole range of or the um, chipmunk who or the uh, the what is it that throws the darts at the uh, board and decides who, what stocks are going to go and what stocks are not going to go. So I think you have um, people now uh, paying more attention to the potential 
issues uh, than they were before. I think before there was a lot of people, yeah, those issues are there, but, you know, the market is so healthy and the economy is good and it keeps going up, so I'm just not going to worry about it. Now you see people worrying about mm-hmm. it. And so the if you were just to sort of tick off some of the concerns, you would say, well, we had all this um, boost coming into 2018, and how long is that going to carry us? Are we starting to essentially um, run on fumes a little bit because uh, the tax cut, well, that's done, and government spending, you know, we did that. And so are we just going to start to slow down just because that booster, you might say, is starting to peter out? So there's that. You have the tariff concern, and that's a big headline mm-hmm. one right now. Um, because the um, administration is uh, trying to get more leverage vis-a-vis China and other countries in terms of renegotiating some of these trade packs. So there's a lot of noise around that, and perhaps there will be an increase in tariffs, and people that potentially could slow down the economy, and that's that's a concern. Uh, As we said before, the interest rate question, is the Fed going to continue to raise interest rates? I think initially um, uh, the signal was, well, we could probably see three more in 2019. Now economists are saying, well, if the economy is slowing down, maybe it's only going to be two more. So uh, that's mm-hmm. just another thing out there potentially to worry people. Um, but the U.S. economy is still pretty strong. Um, and uh, yeah, you're starting to see some soft. So if you look at, if you're, if you're a wonk and you uh, study uh, economic indicators, you'd notice that some of the economic indicators are getting softer for the, for the economy mm-hmm. in the last couple of months. Um, you don't want to read too much into a month or two here or there, but it is what it is. So as you go into year end, you take all this together and there's a higher wall of worry for people to climb. Um, so, as a result, I've found it uh, in my long career to uh, it's never prudent to make predictions because <laughs> you're going to look like an idiot no matter what you do. Uh, because we'll get into the January or February, and there's going to be something else, and there's going to be something new, and it could be positive, it could be negative. Um, but I would say that if you're panicking over uh, the market being down three percent as being uh, some kind of indicator of um, the end of the world, well, that's a huge mistake. On the other hand, um, it's good that people are more cognizant of the problems. So in there is a happy medium between, yeah, okay, there are issues, there are problems. It's, it's, It's certainly not a world where the market should be making new highs every day. At the same time, it's not a world where the market should necessarily collapse. Um, there are plenty of facts for you to build either case that it's going to be a rough year or it's going to be a good year. Um, so pick your facts and build <laughs> your case. But what it really tells you is, is that you have to be aware and be flexible and have a longer-term view. I think in a plan, a plan is what really helps people to weather the markets, particularly in a time frame like this, knowing what you own, what you can expect it to do. And there is no crystal ball. I always say, do you you bring your crystal ball? There really isn't. But I think when you have a really good, solid plan and you understand what you own and why you own it, it makes it much easier. Absolutely. So you don't plan for uh, the market to make new highs every day, and you don't plan for the market to collapse. Uh, You have a plan for how you want to invest and the the kind of quality you want to invest in, the type of diversification you should have in your portfolio. And then you uh, execute on that plan, but be prepared to adjust it 
as conditions warrant. My guest today is Michael Roth. He's the founding principal of Stark Investments, and we'll be right back. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you would like to hear this interview, please go to ellenbecker.com, and then you can go to radio shows, and the radio, um, this show will be on there, and you can listen to it. The nice part is, is you can listen to it without the commercials. And if uh, we would all also encourage you to stop into any one of our three offices um, in Pewaukee or Whitefish Bay, or of course in Florida, in Bonita Springs, which is nice and warm at this time of the year. But often it's just uh, really nice to sit down and kind of talk about your portfolio and, and see where you're at. I think one of the biggest issues when we have new people come into our offices, it's like, I don't know where I'm at. And I liken it to going to the mall for the first time, and there's that sign, and it says on there, you are here. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of finding out where you are to give you an idea of based on the risk that you want to take, based on your age, based on what you want with that money, what you want the growth to look like. Um, it's just important sometimes to get a, an overall checkup. And I guess, Michael, that leads me into everybody is a little bit different, and there's no um, one shoe that fits all, one shoe fits one person, you know, <laughs> and fits one person well. But, I mean, it's it's sort of in, in that sense that people really do – hear the news and the talking heads and they try to figure out how does this affect me and it really is complicated because there's so much going on in the world. Well it's incredibly complicated yeah. and um, even if you uh, had a mind for it you, you'd have to have the desire <laughs> to spend a large <laughs> amount of your time now you and I, this is our, our life, this is our career um, we pay close attention to the news um, we study the markets we, we study um, opinions uh, and we we filter it through many, many decades of experience. Um, as between you and your staff, you've seen a lot of movies over the years, <laughs> and um, the endings get tweaked. But um, there are certain themes that that sort of hold through. So, as we look at this particular one, it feels like we're in a, a late innings of. Yeah, again, try, you know, you, there's a, a tremendous sort of uh, impulse to superimpose your historical experience and try to make sense of things. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that way this time around, um, but it does feel like, I think, f for most people, um, we are nearing the end of a cycle. Mm -hmm. Now, this has been a very elongated cycle. Uh, because interest rates have been uh, extremely low for a very, very long time. So ex as a result, you've had a very long-lived bull market. Mm -hmm. And um, you haven't had a recession for a long time, uh, since 08, 10 years-ish. Um, so uh, there's a sense of we're due. Um, maybe because... Again, if you think the old rules apply, yeah, we tend to have a cycle, and it tends to run, I don't know, eight, ten years maybe on the long end, and here we are in that eight, ten-year <laughs> period, and so um, uh, people would tend to think, well, if we're due for a slowdown of some sort and uh, for the market to pull back, uh, maybe this is the year. And then maybe part is the key key to it, because uh, as I sit here and as you sit here, 
all we can say is, yeah, all that's true, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen in the next six months or the next 12 months. And you see experts, quote unquote, experts, (laughs) who uh, do the same thing that we just talked about. They're trying to take what's going on right now, put it through their memory filters and, and their historical perspective, and then make these predictions. And you keep seeing them pushing out. Um, well, you know, it was going to be 2018. Uh, I guess it's going to be 2019 now, or maybe 2020 when we finally see this this turn. Um, and I think all you can say is that, as always, there are reasons to be concerned. There's always something, some things going on. Uh, and I think there's probably a, a rise right now, an increase in um, those types of issues. Again, because interest interest rates are a huge factor Mm -hmm. in this story. And um, you see it uh, particularly, I think your listeners probably see it particularly, in interest rate sectors. And the one that's most near and dear to their hearts is real estate. Yes. Um, So when money is easy, as it's been for the last eight or nine years, um, there's a lot of investment in real estate because money's cheap. And people can refinance their mortgages or they can buy bigger properties because they can get more more bang for their buck in their mortgages, et cetera. And now you're seeing that reverse. And uh, in particular, over the last several months, you've seen some very high-flying real estate markets in uh, areas such as San Francisco, uh, New York, et cetera, have started to really see declines in prices. And, it's, and for those people, it's a bit of a shock because <laughs> they obviously are so used to prices uh, increasing tremendously. And we're just talking about a small decrease, nothing dramatic, nothing like the market falling out of bed. But when you're used to seeing these markets go one way for years um, is a little jarring to those people. But the reality is, yeah, mortgages are more expensive. Uh, Mortgage rates have gone up. And they're still a lot less than what they were. Well, absolutely. In in any historical sense, (laughs) you'd be looking at something going, wow, mortgages are really cheap. Well, no, not relative to where we've been over the last Mm -hmm. four or five years. But for anybody who has any historical perspective, you'd say, this is still insanely easy money. Um, but uh, that's what we're seeing right now. So uh, in terms of um, the big change, what's really changed more than anything else? I would say going back a year or so ago, it's the central banks going to that punch bowl and starting to drain it. Mm-hmm. So it's happening uh, in the United States. Uh, we, we saw the uh, European Central Bank um, last week come out and say that, and they're trying to be more ginger about it because unlike the United States, um, the European economies have not rebounded as, as uh, quickly and has not, have not been as strong. But they're concerned that after eight or nine years of this, they've got to reload in a sense. They can't mm-hmm. keep interest rates at zero forever. So they've started to pull back some. So you're starting to see a coordinated central bank effort to try to wean the economies of the world off of this cheap, easy money. And that's not going to be smooth or painless. Um, now, it helps if you're... It's, con- like, it's like giving a kid an allowance and then taking it back. <laughs> well, exactly. But you know what? At some point, the kid's got to earn a living. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that's essentially what you're seeing here. Now, it's a lot easier for the Fed because, as we said, the U.S. economy is doing really well. 
a little harder for some of these other central banks and some of these other countries uh, where they've got issues uh, and their economies aren't as strong as the United States has, have been. Um, and, and so that's what's going on right now. There, there's a um, withdrawal of the easy money in a very slow way, very, very slow. But the very fact that it's happening is having a drag effect and it's got people concerned. And you're seeing it, sort of the canary in the coal mine, so to speak, is sensitive areas like real mm-hmm. estate. Now, real estate, again, has gone up so much for it to come down some, again, should not set anybody's hair on fire. But nonetheless, you know, people only know how much it, where the high point was. They always say, well, it was here. Well, yeah, but if you look at it over, um, it's like the market. The market's down 3% this year, and people are con- really concerned. Well, it's up 400% over right. the last eight or nine years. So <laughs> relax uh, uh, and, and enjoy the fact that you were fortunate enough to have had this ride and to be where you are. So, again, going into the new year, uh, uh, it's like, like every new year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an artificial sort of line in the sand to say, well, January 1, it's going to new start. Um, it, it's All you can say is that, um, as always, you have to be flexible and you have to, um, as we said, if you've got a plan and it's a good plan, um, you know, continue to execute on it. But like all plans, at some point, um, as Mike Tyson is famous for saying, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> right? <laughs> then you don't have a plan anymore. That's so right. to the extent that uh, conditions are changing, you have to be uh, aware of it and have enough flexibility in your plan uh, to adjust accordingly. Well, and I know that we're coming up to January 1, and everybody is diligently sitting down and wondering what changes and, you know, what they want to do for the new year and making their resolutions. And one of the things I encourage every year is to sit down and work with someone and put a plan in place and understand what you have, because you're more likely, if you understand what you have and if the plan is consistent with your needs, to be able to stay true to that plan. And one of the worst things that can happen is to um, panic. And I always say nobody jumps off of a roller coaster while it's moving. (laughs) Very bad idea. And so, um, Mike, what would be your final thought for this 2018 year as we move into 2019? Well, um, I think that uh, you have to recognize that there's nothing new here. Um, Yes, we're heading into a new year and things, there's, there's issues. But there's issues every year. And so um, you, as I said, have to evaluate uh, the situation. Things could get really bad. They could. Things that we don't foresee could happen. Um, Things could get much better. Um, And so you say there's no way for anyone to accurately predict it other than the fact that you have to be aware and flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, and act accordingly. (laughs) Thank you so much. My guest today is Mike Roth. He is the founding principal of Stark Investments right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great day. Bye-bye. 